Good morning. Who is excited that tomorrow is the first day of spring? <laughs> All right. You would not know it today, would you? <laughs> One of the things that I am most excited about when spring rolls around is to be able to start running outside. I, I used to run right through the winter when I was younger. Not anymore. <laughs> now from about October until about March, indoor workouts only. Well, yesterday I decided, I think it's gonna be pretty nice today, so I decided to run outside yesterday. Big mistake. <laughs> I got snowed on, my fingers were freezing, my ears were freezing, my nose was freezing. I was like, this is a horrible idea. <laughs> but I think it made me run faster because I was trying to make the snow look like Star Wars, you know? <laughs> So uh, how many runners do we have here today? Any other runners? Anybody who knows somebody who's a runner? A lot of people. Do you know how to tell? Do you know how to know if somebody's a runner? It's very easy. They will tell you 100 times a day. <laughs> Not just to pick on runners. This is the same for anybody know someone who's vegan or keto or paleo or a triathlete, or a weightlifter. If you do, then you know about it, right? Why is that? Why do we get so passionate and so crazy about these fitness trends? You know, sometimes I think it kind of can come across as, as bragging or showing off. But honestly, most of the time, it's just excitement. We have found something that is powerful in transforming our lives, and we want you to experience the same thing. Now, for those of us who are Christians, we have something that is far better than health and fitness. We have a message that can transform people's lives. God wants to transform lives through you. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, God wants to transform someone's life through you. If you are watching and you are all alone, say it out loud to yourself. God wants to transform someone's life through you. Now, I want you to eat real, whole, organic food. I want you to cut out processed junk that's not good for your body. I want you to exercise regularly because I know that it will make your life better. You'll have more energy. You'll be healthier. You'll be stronger. You'll be able to serve better. You'll be able to serve longer. But the truth is, no matter how healthy or unhealthy you are, it only lasts until your last breath. And then you have to face eternity. Are you ready for eternity? And if you are ready, what about your loved ones? What about your family and your friends and your coworkers, the people around you? Are they ready to face eternity? God wants to transform someone's life through you. 
Let's open up the scripture together. I'm going to give you a minute. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Or if you have your phone, you can get the YouVersion Bible app that's free. It has tons of resources. It has a lot of uh, Bible translations that you can choose from. There's no ads. It's awesome. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, make sure to get that. And you can have a free Bible with you wherever you go. If you have that app, open it up. Open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start, start with verse 17. 1 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Have you ever had somebody pay a debt for you? This, this happened to Dan and I uh, probably almost 15 years ago. There was a year where we had just taken Financial Peace University and we were motivated to get out of debt. So we were doing everything we could to budget, to pay off debt, to live uh, in financial peace and freedom. And then we got our income taxes done and we owed thousands of dollars more than we expected that year which was a very hard blow. So we, we had a small group that met in our house at that time. We called it Life Group at that time. And we asked them several weeks in a row, please pray for us. We have this huge bill and we're stressing out about it. We've got to come up with the money by April 15th or the bill only gets bigger. You know that if you don't pay it in time, it gets a, a lot bigger. So we asked them to pray, and after several weeks of asking our small group to pray for us, one night at the end of group, everybody was leaving, and the last man to file out, probably you remember this, <laughs> handed me an envelope, a big fat envelope full of cash as he was leaving, and I, I just stood there stunned, just absolutely stunned. And he walked out, and I turned to Dan, and I showed him, and we both had the same response we have to give it back. We cannot take their money. This is our debt. This is not their debt to pay. We have to give it back. And then our second reaction was, how incredibly rude would it be <laughs> for these people to sacrifice and to take up a collection and to give of their finances for us to say, take it back, we don't want it, right? So we're, we're sort of stunned and reeling that they've done this for us. And then our third response is just, wow, 
how incredibly loving that these people would sacrifice their own finances to help us out when they didn't have to, we didn't ask them to, no one required them to, they just decided because they loved us and wanted to bless us that they were gonna sacrifice and they were gonna give to pay our debt. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an incredibly loving thing to do? Now, verse 17 here says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. When we get this realization, this whole passage is gonna talk about our debt being paid for us, how Jesus took the place for our sin. It fills us with so much gratitude at the incredible love that God had for us that he took away the old and made us a new creation, that it makes us, you know, one of the responses that Dan and I had is we want to do that for other people. We want to get to a point financially where we're the ones who are giving to somebody else's debt, where we're the ones who want to bless other people. That's the same with the gospel message. When we realize what we have received, what we have been given that we don't deserve, it makes us want to share that with the people that we care about. Now, verse 17 says, we become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Has anybody ever made a mistake that you wish you could erase? Anybody have things in your past that you wish that you could just eliminate, that you could go back and change, that you could erase, that you could take away? Maybe you hurt somebody. Maybe it was out of anger and you did it intentionally, or maybe you didn't even realize that something you did hurt them and you just wish that you could go back and erase that and fix that relationship. And that is exactly what God does with our sin. He takes it on himself so that we can have righteousness instead. He erases our sin. He erases our mistakes. Doesn't that fill you with gratitude? Isn't that incredibly beautiful and sacrificial what God's done for us? And that's not the end. Verse 18 says that all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Okay, so this is what's different. Sometimes people think like, okay, Christianity, that is just one religion among many. Like it's all basically the same. It's all, there's not you know, a huge difference. But here's what's different about Christianity. Every other world religion says, you know, there's a God out there who you have to do certain things to either earn his favor or you have to do certain things to avoid his wrath. It's about what you have to do to try to bridge that relationship between you and God. But God the creator of the universe, the author of the word of God, the God of Christianity said, there's nothing you can do. You can't earn it. The relationship has been broken and there's nothing you can do about it. So I'm going to fix it myself. I'm going to reach down to you in the mud, in your sin, 
in the pain, in the filth, and I am going to pull you out. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to build the bridge. And all you have to do is receive the gift. Just don't reject the gift. That's all you have to do. Continuing in verse 18, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 explains what that ministry is, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. God wants to transform someone's life through you, through you, through you, through you. There's somebody that you can reach that I can't reach. There's somebody who will listen to you who will not listen to Pastor Rich. There's somebody that if you don't take this message of reconciliation to them, they're not going to hear it. They're not going to know it, and they won't have the opportunity to believe it. What is reconciliation? Reconciliation means that there was a relationship, that relationship was broken, and now the relationship is restored. So we can see it if you think about a couple who's married, and then they get divorced, and then they reconcile and remarry. There was relationship, it was broken, and now it's restored. For us, we were created by God to have relationship with him. We chose to sin, which broke that relationship. God chose to reconcile us to himself to restore that relationship. And our responsibility is not to reconcile people to God, but to just tell them what God has done for them. That God has reconciled the world to himself and our job is just to believe it and receive the gift. This is incredibly good news. Sometimes people don't really want to hear it. You might be surprised to know that sometimes when I'm talking about healthy food or exercise, some people think it's annoying. I know that's shocking. You probably don't believe me. Some people don't want to hear it. Some people, when they come to me for advice and I say, you have to cut out sugar, you have to cut out processed foods, you have to get exercise, they think that's, I don't know, not that appealing, <laughs> not that exciting. You mean I have to give up things that I like? That does not sound like good news, but the good news is what will happen in your life, what will happen in your body if you choose to do those things. The problem is there's a little bit of bad news before there's good news. The bad news is you're not always going to like it. It might be hard. It might hurt sometimes when you exercise and your body's not used to it. But the good news is there is healing if you're consistent, if you stick with it. The gospel is a lot like this. It's bad news before it's good news. You can't really receive the good news until you accept the bad news. And that's, that is 
exceptionally difficult, I think, in our culture for people to understand that because in our culture, what we are taught and what we believe that is that love means that you accept, that you approve of, and that you celebrate whatever anybody wants, whatever makes them feel good, whatever they think is right for them, that's what love is. And scripture says, no, love means I want what's best for you. I want you to flourish. I want you to have relationship with God. I want you to obey the word of God because he's the one who created you. And he knows how you will flourish. Now, we understand this in relationship to our kids because when my kids were little, I didn't show them love by approving of everything they wanted to do and celebrating everything they wanted to do because I knew that if they ate candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and if they stayed up all night on their phones and on their tablets playing games and watching YouTube videos, that's not going to be good for them. I made them do things like take a bath and brush your hair and trim your nails that they didn't want to do. They didn't like it. But I knew as an adult, these things are good for you. You need to do these things. You're not going to flourish. You're not going to be healthy. You're not going to be well. You're not going to develop good character if you don't do these things. So in our relationship with God, who's the parent here and who's the child? And yet sometimes we come to God and say, no, you need to approve of what I want. If you really love me, then you'll let me live however I want and you'll make me feel good about it. And God says, honey, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. I know what's best for you and I want what's best for you. That's what love is. Love is wanting the best for somebody even if they don't know what the best is for themselves. So the bad news of the gospel is this. Yes, you are sinful, and we don't want to hear that. We think we're good enough. We think we're fine. We think, yes, some people are sinful. I've seen them. (laughs) But me, I'm not that bad. I mean, I'm a nice person. Isn't that all God really wants? He just wants us to be kind, and then he accepts us. We can have a relationship with him. Everything's fine. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that we have sinned. And because God is so holy and so righteous and so just that that sin needs to be punished. That's the bad news. And it's just the truth. Whether we like it or not, it's just the truth. But when we recognize that, when we acknowledge that, the good news is so far beyond whatever we could think or hope and imagine. Yes, you are sinful, but you are loved far beyond what you could possibly imagine. So much so that God paid the penalty for you so that your sins could be removed, so that he could not count them against you, so that you could be restored in relationship with him. I think that deserves a hallelujah and an amen. <laughs> Do you know right now that only 6%, there was, a, there was a, some research that was done in 2021 that showed that only 6% of the 
of Americans have a biblical worldview. 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Do you think that we have a culture that is overflowing with happiness and joy and fulfillment? Because that is not what I see. People desperately need this message of reconciliation. That God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Verse 20 says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Think about that for a second. God is making his appeal through us. He loved the world so much that Jesus came to die for our sins. And the message comes through us. So if we then how is the message going to get out? If we cover our mouths and if we don't share this message of reconciliation, we're putting our hand over God's mouth because he speaks through us. He speaks through you. God is making his appeal to the world through you. He wrote the scripture through people. People can, people can know the message of the gospel through the scripture, but how do they even know that they should read the scripture? How do they even know what the Bible is unless someone tells them? How can anyone believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless we preach, unless we speak? God wants to transform someone's life through you. The rest of verse 20 says this, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We implore you, be reconciled to God. Now there's a word in this, in this verse, ambassadors. Does everybody know what an ambassador is? I'm gonna read a little quote here by David Guzik about being an ambassador. He says this, there is so much to the idea of being ambassadors. An ambassador does not speak to please his audience. Think about that. We don't share the gospel to make people feel good. We speak the gospel because that's the message God sent. We don't speak to please our audience, but the king who sends us. An ambassador does not speak on his own authority, his own opinions, or demands mean little. They actually mean nothing. No one cares what the opinion or demands of the ambassador are. It's the one they're representing. That's what matters. That's why their words have power. He simply says what he has been commissioned to say. But an ambassador is more than a messenger. He is also a representative, and the honor and reputation of his country are in his hands. The honor and reputation of his country and his king are in his hands. So when I was in Bible school, a group of my friends, four or five guys, decided to go to Toronto for the weekend. 
So they were in, the Tor in Toronto. They were a little bit stressed out trying to navigate the traffic of the city, and they're driving around, and all of a sudden, somebody in the car behind them starts wailing on the horn. So they turn around. They start flipping them off and swearing at them, and all of a sudden, they realize that the driver of the car is Mike Webster, who was the president of the Bible school, and in the car with him were several other teachers from the Bible school. And I did not find out from my friends about this story. I found out from Mike Webster, who announced on Monday morning to the entire class what these boys had done when they were in Canada for the weekend. Why did he call them out? First of all, they were represent representatives of the Bible college. But more importantly, they were representatives of Christ. And everywhere we go, everything we do, somebody sees us. Somebody's watching us, whether we know it or not. And I have thought about this story. There have been times, especially when my kids were little, and I would have to take three little ones grocery shopping with me. And it was very stressful very tiring, very exhausting, and I would be tempted, and sometimes I gave in to temptation, <laughs> to be a little snarky with people. If they, would, if they were impatient with me or my kids being in their way, I could get a little bit snarky, but many times I held my tongue because I thought about this story, and I thought, what if I say something snotty to this person because they're irritating me and I'm stressed out. And then they come to church this weekend and see me at church and I'm trying to share the gospel with them. What kind of representative have I been to them of the gospel of Christ? Now, Dan and I have been, we discovered this show called Parking Wars. Has, has anybody seen that? We discovered Parking Wars. We had a lot of uh, out-of-town basketball tournaments and when we're in the hotel room flipping through channels trying to find something that's not horrible to watch, we found parking wars. And we were, we were watching one recently where this guy, he pulled up in front of a building. He was in a loading zone. There was no meter, so he got a ticket, and he's yelling at the guy, there's no meter. And the guy's saying, you don't need a meter in a, in a loading zone. It's a loading zone. You can't park here. He's like, there's no meter. Where's the meter? And he's just yelling at this guy. Finally, he gets in his car and peels off. And there on the back of his car is a Jesus fish. I'm like, oh, buddy. No, 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 no. Just if you're going to act like that, take the fish off your car, please. That is not a good representation of Jesus. But everywhere we go, everything we do, we are a reflection and a representation of Christ, whether we acknowledge that or not. You know, a lot of times when people face a health crisis, they will come to me and ask for advice. Why? Because they know that this is something that's important in my life. They know that I probably have some sort of wisdom, some sort of tips, something that I can give to them that can help them. And I'm so excited when people come to me and ask about that. But when it comes to representing Jesus, do people see that enough in our lives that they'll come to us when they're in crisis? That they'll come to us when, when something happens 
and they have questions about God or they have a need. Now, you know, we think about being an ambassador. Sometimes it's, it's overwhelming. Like we are ministers of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. We have to share God. And we picture it as like we have to take out tracks and say, take people through the Romans road and lead them into salvation prayer. And sometimes it's overwhelming and intimidating. But a lot of times it's the small things that draw people to us, that open the doors in their lives. So when I was at, after I graduated from Bible school, I taught in a daycare center in Manlius, a Christian daycare center for about four years. And when I was in the two-year-old classroom, there was this huge chalkboard in the room. And somehow I got the idea that, that I should write scriptures on the chalkboard. So I started doing that. And I, I can't remember if I changed the scripture daily or weekly, but I was regularly just writing scriptures on the chalkboard because although this was a Christian daycare, not everybody, not all the parents who came, not all the families were saved. And I thought maybe a little bit of light, you know, they'll see something. I'm just writing scriptures. I wasn't really even saying anything to anybody. So I, I had done this for a while. And actually my coworker, my co-teacher, who I taught with for, for probably almost two years, she was not saved and she knew that I went to church and she knew that I had gone to Bible school and she saw me writing these scriptures. And, you know, I never really, I never really uh, did, went through the Romans road with her or here's a gospel tract or anything like that. But she, she and her boyfriend hit a crisis in their relationship that they needed a miracle. And she came to me and asked me if I would please pray for her. And that was like, to me, the most exciting thing ever because she had just, she had seen enough of Jesus in my life that when she wanted to reach out to him, she knew that she could come to me and that I would pray for her. And God was faithful and answered the prayer right away. And she came in within the next like day or two and said, God answered the prayer. Thank you so much for praying for me. And a lot of times it's those small things that we do that make a huge impact and can transform somebody's, li somebody's life through us, through the things that we do. And it doesn't always have to be something huge. Verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Not just so that we can become good people. Not just so that we can be forgiven. Not even just so we can be restored, but so that we can become the righteousness of God. This is a message worth sharing. There is somebody you know that God wants to reach. So how do we put this into practice? How do we actually be an ambassador for Christ? How do we actually minister reconciliation? How do we apply this scripture? Well, first of all, the first application of this scripture is, if you are not reconciled to God, I implore you, be reconciled to God. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. All you have to do is say to God, I believe I believe that I've done wrong and broken relationship with you. I believe that Jesus died to pay the price for my sin, and I receive that gift. That's it. And then tell somebody. 
Tell somebody that you believe. Tell somebody that you gave Jesus your life. You can even text us, 315-444-2100. Just text the word Jesus. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. Tell someone. It's that easy. And for those of you who are reconciled to God, be a minister of reconciliation. There's two ways you can do that. The first is by sharing God. This is what this whole, we've been talking about this for four weeks. Share God. How can you do that? On your way out, you can grab, there's three cards there. There's a a sign that says share God. You can grab these cards. One of them will take people to our website. One of them, this one, will take people to the Reach 315 page where they can see, they can just take a picture of this QR code and they receive the gospel message. And one of them, you can invite people to come. So grab those cards and then just pray and ask God to give you opportunity to give one of those cards to somebody. Pretty easy, right? And let God provide the opportunity. Ask God to give you, to open doors, to open opportunities to talk to somebody, to pray with somebody, to share God with somebody. And the second thing we need to do as ministers of reconciliation is to represent Christ. Live a life that reflects Christ. That's more powerful than you probably can possibly imagine. Just living a life that reflects Christ. Christ demonstrated sacrificial love. Are you somebody who is loving? Are you somebody who is forgiving? Do you harbor bitterness or do you forgive people? Do you put other people ahead of yourself? Are you an accurate representation of Christ? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come. We're gonna spend some time worshiping God. We, you know, we sang some powerful things this morning that God has rescued my life. God has rescued my life. And he wants to, his heart is to rescue everybody. But we have a responsibility to receive the gift. And people can't receive the gift if they don't even know about it, if they don't even hear it. So let's reflect Christ with our lives. Let's pray that God will give us opportunity to share him with somebody. And I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to go ahead. We're going to worship God. And then after we, after we have a time of worship, we're going to open up. The, we're going to have the prayer team come forward, and there will be a time of prayer. And if you want prayer that you would be able to share God, come up and we'll pray with you. If you are not reconciled to God and you want to pray with somebody, to receive the gift, then come up and we'll pray with you. All right, I'm gonna pray for you and then we're gonna worship God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the incredible, amazing, mind-blowing gift of reconciliation that you died to give us. We thank you that you make your cause, that you plead your case through us. And we ask that you would use us this week, that we would be a minister of reconciliation to somebody in our life that we would share the gospel with somebody in our life, that we would reflect you to somebody in our life. And if there's anybody who is not reconciled to you, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would make yourself real to them today. Just show them. If there's somebody who's listening to me and they're not sure, like, I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if if this is right for me. I don't know if I should receive this. I just ask that you would show yourself to them this week. You would reveal yourself to them. You would send somebody to them with the message of the gospel that they can ask their questions, 
that they can pray with and that you would show yourself real to them this week. Thank you, Jesus, that you rescue us, that you redeem us, you restore us to relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.